0: Welcome to the Rounds to Residency podcast brought to you by MedEd University. Gain residency insights and tips to prepare for your externships, research, and professional development in healthcare. We interview preceptors and physician educators who will prepare you for your rotations and improve your clinical experience. Now, here's your host, Chase DeMarco welcome back everyone today we have a great guest i'm really excited to talk about this program so we have dr saeed solomon jahi who is a uh, past research fellow at washington resident physician at yale and the founder of the triple r program welcome saeed
1: hi everyone uh i really appreciate chase and this wonderful rounds to residency podcast program to having me today I'm too excited to share all my experience during this long journey. So, thanks so much.
0: <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah, this, uh, I know we've talked about it a bit in the past, and we actually have so many questions here some from students, some. Uh, from you, some from me. So I guess we'll just jump into it and start discussing all of these different topics revolving research and the TRIPLE R project and potential opportunities for our listeners to join in to these research programs. Since I know that's a question we get all the time, how can I find research? So should we just jump into it?
1: Uh, absolutely. So definitely research has changed its concepts during a time. I think back in time, research was defined as some isolated people or group of people doing their own research at their own labs, nobody know about, and they would just do research until they find something very, very important, at which time they could probably announce that and people may or may not hear that. But now research has significantly different concept, and it's moving towards uh, a network and collaboration concept. And successful research teams definitely are People who do multidisciplinary research with definitely more than one expert groups in the team, addressing different aspects of a research question moving forward. So, I think anybody who considers research now or at their future, they should also consider skills to have great networking, and that is uh, inevitable from research. Definitely, uh, I was when I started my medical school i always thought that research will be something that i have to keep going all the time and it keeps me excited and happy because we we read all these lessons and uh, you know learn all these books and stuff but what if you are the one who contribute to advancement of these literature you add few lines to these books you author a few articles on literature that was so much more exciting for me. So I thought, okay, I definitely have to be part of this process. I tried to reach out to mentors my medical school, and was always happy that I crossed past wonderful mentors, and they really helped me walk through it. So I did a bunch of projects there, and then I reached out to many people that we can definitely discuss in more details how I did that, and I found another great mentor at Washington University. Offer me a, a postdoctoral research fellow there. Then I started my residency at Yale, kind of keeping the same motivations and concept for research. And I will definitely consider that in my future. And it was surprising that even at an institute like Yale, tons of resources for doing research. There was not a good structure for networking. So that's why I thought we need to have a systematic and well-organized structure to connect people together to optimize the research process. So that's why we started Yale Triple R program, which I can definitely discuss more uh, what it does, but it has reached a lot of tension so far in less than two or three weeks of its kind of announcement. So.
0: Nice. Yeah. It seems like uh, you have a lot of different experiences from several different schools. You have your MD, MPH uh, from Tehran. You continued research as a research fellow at Washington. Now you're doing research at Yale. So you have a great diverse experience there. that You could see the differences a lot more than someone that might've just done one program at one school and continued on. And to your point with the networking, that's, like I said, something that a lot of students reach out to us about is where can I find research? And everyone that goes to a US school generally says, okay, just talk to your, uh, your preceptors there and see who has research and join it. But sometimes that's difficult. If you come from a small school or a foreign school, you don't have those networks. You don't have necessarily physicians that are doing research. And that is a big part of residency as uh, well, some residencies anyway, is having to do research, but not just that, but do research in a specific specialty. And if you don't have any options, let alone specific options like that, it can be very nerve wracking. And you're worried about not getting into residency because of a lack of these research opportunities. So your network sounds like something that, uh, especially as it develops, could reach a lot of students in a lot of places and offer a lot of support to researchers out there that that might need some help to get their projects off the ground or to move faster?
1: Absolutely. Uh, I think I kind of start from my first networking attempt. Uh, when I first my mentor in Tehran University, trying to convince him to let me join his lab or research team, he gave me a task that was my first networking attempt. So he basically asked me to go talk to all the faculties in the cancer department of Tehran University listen to their research projects and document them. And then finally take them all back to him, discuss all the projects and decide which one I should select. And I did that and it took me a good time, but I I was actually very happy that I did because I picked up a project that ended up doing five years. It was a five year cohort project we did uh, in Iran and ended up introducing a prognostic importance for a biomarker in gastric cancer for the first time, and that project actually paved the way for me to move next to the next uh, phase of my career. So, I think that little networking attempt back in time still keeps me moving. So I thought, okay, I should just keep doing the same thing. So I graduated uh, MD MPH from Tehran University, and I thought. Uh, United States will be definitely a good place to move to, uh, given my kind of goals and plans for the future. So I basically reached out, I think, to about 150 or 200 faculties. And you would be surprised to hear that I had a fair amount of research by that time, but I guess my first interview offer happened at my 150th email. And my second interview offer happened on one hundred fifty second email, so <laughs> I had nothing until one fifty email, and then all of a sudden the next two emails brought up two interviews so that's insane. all I' yeah, exactly so all I'm just trying to say is just persistence and kind of continuing to you know do your networking, try to reach out to people and don't give up of course you you will tune your. Uh, reach out kind of scope depending on your background on your CV. I was basically trying to reach out to senior faculties who had higher level of position at their institute. So that was the different scope. But again, I had to reach out about 200 people until I found my mentor, Dr. Davidson, who is the chief of the GI at WashU. So...
0: Let me do some quick math here. Let's say there's twenty to 30,000 medical students searching for research right now. And each of them sends 150 cold emails out to research physicians. That's a lot of emails. That's a lot of inefficiency. And uh, <laughs> it just sounds ridiculous. And yeah, we don't have like a repository of available research that I've been able to find anyway. So it Sounds like your Triple uh, R program, and potentially as this expands and maybe networks with other schools, other universities, uh, we could have something a little closer to this coming up.
1: Yeah, exactly. You are really reading my mind. So I, <laughs> <laughs> I was giving all this background to kind of uh, explain and justify why I thought triple R will be a good structure, and everybody knew that. Anybody here that we. Our post in Twitter was seen by 25,000 people in one day, just inside Yale community. And I was like, oh my God, everybody knew this is important, but nobody knew what they needed. So I thought that was an unheard, unwritten uh, need or question that everybody kind of thought about, but nobody was like, what we should do for it. But now they said, oh, this is structured, so let's just use it. And definitely, as you mentioned, I think we will we have a stepwise approach to our program. We are definitely focusing on Yale community for now, trying to connect uh, residents, especially our residency residents and internal medicine, and other departments like surgery, radiology, to to wide range of wonderful research mentors at Yale. But definitely, moving forward, uh, once we settle more, definitely we will. Extend our scope beyond beyond Yale to other, you know, institutes at United States, or even we can definitely connect it to, you know, volunteers and applicants outside the United States. So that we have actually have discussed this with our program leadership, and we are planning to discuss it our dean office as well. But because we just want to be very careful, as any other organization, with the pace of kind of extension and development so but that's kind of our big big picture and big mission
0: got it and i do want to uh just kind of dangle this out there for the audience we have a special announcement towards the end of this show how you might be able to find some research yourself outside of yale but you'll have to listen to the end of the episode for that so keep listening
1: <laughs> <That's> <laughs> um,
0: so we have your backgrounds quite a bit here you reached out to all of these different programs. It was a hassle. A lot of students can probably relate to that. There are a lot of questions that that learners ask a lot. And uh, maybe you, with all of your vast experience here, can help answer some of these questions. And a lot of them have to do with where to find research, which we kind of went over. It's difficult right now. There's not a great way. You just kind of have to slug it out and keep at it, persistence. But also, once you do find research, or if you're Going into a certain specialty, there are some tips and tricks too, right? So, uh, how much does research matter in certain specialties? But also, what's the different type? I know in our past discussion, you discussed different types of research. So, can you maybe go into that a little bit more?
1: Absolutely. I think this is a very important question. I think for now, we are basically considering that this question is directed to people who are planning to pursue a clinical residency. At the United States, at some point, and how they should consider doing research uh, moving towards their goal or plan. As you mentioned, research has different importance and different uh, specialties. Some specialties who are considered research heavy definitely require a good research CV in their applicants as well, um, like internal medicine, radiology, some surgery. Specialties, ophthalmology and dermatology, are among the specialties that definitely need a great research background and their applicants. But how this could be built up? I think in the United States people do undergrad first, then they do medical school, and after graduating medical school, they either stay one extra year uh, as a medical student, or they graduate and they do some postdoctoral years. And then they apply to clinical residency. So all this time is a great opportunity to start building up their research background. I think they they should be kind of smart in selecting what type of research they should do at what time. So let's say if they are starting undergrad and probably beginning is a little bit busy hours that they have to do a lot of uh, readings and studying. So might not be a great time for them to do a lab-based research, which needs more time compared to a clinical research or a systematic review or meta-analysis. So that's kind of based on their schedule and how much time they have. They can select which type of projects they should be connected to. But very, very important thing is that they should never lose time because Clock is just moving ahead, and basically they should be very conscious about their time and you know how efficiently they can use it. So selecting the right type of research at the right time of their career is a key. Keep building their research CV. And let's say if they graduate medical school and they want to do postgraduate or postdoctoral research, that is a better time to do more extensive projects like a lab project which needs more time, but at the same time, it is a very uh, valuable experience for any investigator. So I can kind of review my path. Uh, So I basically did more clinical research and clinical studies during my medical school. We did uh, cohort studies. We did a randomized clinical trial, and I also did a systematic review and meta-analysis for my graduation. And... Once I graduated, I knew that I will do a few years of postdoctoral research so I could be more dedicated to research and extend my experiences and my exposure to different aspects of research. So I decided to join Dr. Davidson Lab at Washington University, which is basically experimental projects. But that was definitely an invaluable experience for me to expand my uh, research insight from clinical pure insight to experimental and lab-based research insight and how that helps as we were discussing nowadays research is multidisciplinary so if somebody in, has insight on both sides on both fields they can generate great questions to do research they can find right people to connect to because they have right questions for them to connect to And eventually, they can get great projects done uh, in a great network. So kind of getting different types of research experience and insight at different stages of their career just builds up to the same, I would say, package of research that they are building up. And that is invaluable tool for them for future networking and uh, advancing their research career, because they can easily connect to people. They can have conversations that people will listen to, and that expedites and eases their network possibilities. And that's what matters in research.
0: So it sounds like once you've already done some research, or if you're doing post-grad research, it's first off it's a lot easier to find new research opportunities because you're already in that environment you're with a lot of colleagues that might have uh, something to work with plus you already have your md credentials so you can reach out to colleagues at other institutions and potentially do some work with them exactly i i think one of the big problems is for students like i can give an example from my school we had a research project for graduation but it wasn't very in depth and it didn't the school didn't lead it to publication. So a lot of students that are in similar boats are wondering, okay, I don't have anything through my school. What can I do now? Does it even matter? What if I apply to residency with no research? Can I do that or should I just publish to whatever will take my money to publish it, which are generally, you know, pretty predatory journals. But at least it's something on my CV which might be better than nothing, so of those options, like what are the students to do? what are they supposed to think in those scenarios?
1: I think these are two different questions, and I will answer them one by one. I think the first question is do they really need research or not? So if let's say somebody wants to do a specialty that is not you know research heavy or they don't want to go to an institutes that kind of, you know, require that much of research, they can definitely start their residency at any program that don't require that much of research. Of course, those programs may not be very high ranked, but still they can, you know, move forward on their career. Let's say somebody really doesn't need to stay in an academic situation in their future and they just want to get their training done and then move on to a private practice and just do clinical practice. That case, I would say, they shouldn't really worry about having research. So that's one question anyone should try to answer, uh, what how they see their future and you know what kind of trajectory they are drawing for themselves. But if they think that even their goals, they need to do research, as you mentioned, it is not easy to start it. It's kind of old cars that need to overcome static inner seat at the beginning, you know, and you try and you try and you try and finally it kicks in and finally cars turns on and then you just push the gas pedal and it just moves on, right?
0: The newer generation might not realize this because they just push a button on the car and it starts. But yeah, exactly. it used to be hard to, to turn <laughs> them over sometimes.
1: Exactly. That, that's exactly the old car. So that is a great <laughs> great example and definition of how you start research. So So they should be motivated enough. They should have high interests to overcome that uh, static energy at the beginning. And that is definitely impossible. I usually give this example to my uh, audience that research trend is not linear. So research trend, you will be in a plateau line for a good amount of time, and then all of a sudden you pick up. So a lot of people who are in this plateau line, they give up, there's a huge dropout, but those who stay on all of a sudden see this pick and those are definitely successful and they will see all the. So I started research classes, a lot of my friends at the same medical school at the same class, but probably six or seven out of 10 who were on the same track dropped out because they thought that research is linear. And by day one or day two, they should see the effects of what they are doing, but that's not the case. So they will be on a plateau line for a while, and they should be persistent on that. I think smart strategy is the key here. If you are in an institute that you don't have a lot of access to experienced uh, mentors or extensive research projects, you might do something on your own to attracts attention, even from outside your institute. So let's say if you are interested in cardiology research and you don't really know who you should work with, you can start with an easy project like a case report, a systematic review, which doesn't need any platform. It doesn't need any funding. It doesn't need any lab. So you just need have the interest in that field and say okay i saw this patient was interesting i want to write up this product this case with a, with a attending that's it so you write that case up you publish it and that will be your first paper your cv you can refer to as your first research activity as simple as that or we can say i want to see i want to do a review on let's say new medications for heart failure or Pathophysiology of heart failure. So you read a bunch of papers, put them together as a review, and you just find somebody to mentor you, and that's it. And then you have, and once you have that first step, that really helps you move forward. Then you can reach out to another person outside your institute, outside your country, say, this is my interest, and this is the proof of my interest. Now I have done this, which is aligned with what I was planning to do it's not does it doesn't come out of blue like oh i'm interested in cardiology research but what is my i have done nothing right so you have to show some little things that support your interest and your kind of motivation and then you will send out a lot of emails of course but then you will find this next person and once you did that that's basically done
0: Oh, and don't you hate when we leave you on a cliffhanger like that, but it's for good reason. We did cover so many useful topics in this episode and have so much more to say, including the details of the Triple R program, and we're going to have to continue that on the next episode. So bear with us, and we will see you next week with some very special treats as well. The Rounds 2 Residency Podcast is powered by MedEd University. Join us at meded.university and tune in next week for more research and rotations resources to help you on your residency journey.